Hi there, thanks for joining me today. This has been a tough week, hasn't it? It's been an emotional week for many, I know, um, with all that happened in the capital last Wednesday. And I've listened to a, a number of people in our church and I realise that many are grieving. People with differing political opinions are grieving. And, you know, it's painful, isn't it, to see such division in our nation and things seem so broken, you kind of wonder if it could ever be healed. But, you know, that's why the witness of the church at this time is so important, especially in how we relate to one another, that we don't allow ourselves to become divided. Because it's our relationships, it's how uh, we love one another in spite of political affiliations or views. That's what points people to Jesus and to the reconciling power of the gospel. But we've got to work at that. It means listening to people, uh, seeking to understand their point of view. Uh, may mean grieving with them uh, when their hearts are heavy. It means forgiving, but also asking for forgiveness where we've been insensitive. And I needed to do that myself this past week. I came to realise that on Wednesday at our prayer meeting, uh, when I came with a heavy heart, having watched everything on the news, and I said I was ashamed of the Christians who were promoting Jesus on their banners in Washington. And I was referring to those who seemed to get caught up with the mob, you know, storming the Capitol building. But I just didn't say it as clearly as I should. And some I know felt that when I said that, it was like uh, I was casting shame on them for their own political views. And that was not my intention. And so I really uh, apologize uh, for not being clearer. Please forgive me for that. I need to do better. But, you know, we all, we've all got a part to play. You know, it's really important that we show care and consideration for one another, uh, that we reach out to one another and do everything possible to stay in relationship and that we communicate well, you know, with humility and love. We must not allow the enemy to get a foothold. The enemy's been busy this week, but he has no place here. Right? There are demonic forces that are at play, seeking to frustrate God's work in the world, that are also vehemently opposed to us, you know, seeking to divide us. So often we get angry with people, we blame them for things, don't we? Uh, but you know, our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against people. They are not the enemy. It's the principalities and powers of darkness that operate behind what we see. And we get a glimpse of that in the book of Revelation. Revelation is a form of literature called apocalyptic literature that's not used today. It's full of symbols and numbers and pictures that would have had meaning to those who first read it. But it can be hard for us to understand and uh, many have made the mistake of trying to take it too literally and kind of got bogged down in the detail of trying to interpret it in the light of current events. I don't really want to get into that right now, but I do want us to understand what is the central focus of the book of Revelation. And we're told what it is actually in the very first verse uh, where it says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's like the curtains are drawn back, you know, so that we can get a glimpse of what's happening in the heavenly realm. As the events of history are being played out on the world stage, the book of Revelation gives us a glimpse of what is happening behind the scenes. And what we see there is very encouraging for embattled Christians. Because if you can see past all the symbolism and the, uh, the frightening images of beasts and dragons and horsemen of the apocalypse, you can see that above it all is Jesus Christ, the Lord of all history. 
and that all of history is moving towards a certain glorious climax when Jesus, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, will consummate his victory. So I just want to read a a passage from chapter 12 of Revelation, starting from verse 7. It says, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. And he is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. What we see revealed here is that Jesus is on the throne, Satan is defeated and we will overcome. In verse 7, it talks about a war that took place in heaven. Seems to be a reference to a rebellion that took place at the beginning of time that's hinted at in the Old Testament when Satan, who's believed to be one of the uh, chief angels, rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven along with all his minions. And here he's depicted as a dragon being hurled to the earth And as a result, the earth became the sphere of his operation. And initially, it was Jesus who was the focus of his fury. We see that being depicted a few verses earlier in verses 4 or 5, where it says, The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. You know, Satan tried to destroy Jesus right from birth when he prompted Herod to murder all the male infants in Jerusalem. And when Jesus Jesus was eventually crucified, Satan must have thought he succeeded, that he'd won. But as it says, the child was snatched up to God and his throne. It kind of uh, fast forwards the story to Jesus ascending to heaven after the resurrection. And so having triumphed over Satan, he is now seated on the throne of heaven from where where he rules the nations with an iron scepter, including this nation. It means that he has all power and authority. He is sovereign over all things, including the devil. And so Satan, having been thrown out of heaven and then defeated on earth by the Messiah Jesus, he then turned his fury upon the church, on all those who follow Jesus. And that's where we are today with him spitting fury at us. He is our accuser, it says there. He's constantly accusing us before God, accusing us of our guilt and our failings, you know, tempting us to despair. He's also a liar and the father of all liars. He seeks to deceive and to lead us astray. He will do all he can to intimidate us and discourage us and divide us and even use us for his own purposes when we accuse people, when we spread lies, when we choose self over others and hate over love. But his days are numbered. Verse 12 says he knows his time is short. The day is coming when Jesus will consummate his victory and Satan will be cast out forever. That's what we see at the end of the book of Revelation. 
And when we lose sight of that, you know, when we get kind of caught up in current events, it can seem at times like there's this great battle, this struggle between good and evil, and we worry that darkness seems to be getting the upper hand, and you know, we fear the worst. But you know, it's been the same throughout the past 2,000 years, as earthly governments and leaders and ideologies have come and gone, and where there have been plagues and persecution, deception and oppression. Jesus said it would be so. But the reality that we see revealed here in Revelation 12 is as true today as it's ever been. That Jesus is on the throne, Satan is defeated, and we will overcome. We need to be reminded of that again and again. You know, because so often we're tempted to fear or get upset about things that are happening on the world stage that seem so huge and worrying to us. And yet, you know, the reality is they're minuscule against this vast eternal backdrop of cosmic events and the absolute certainty of the outcome. So we ourselves will experience conflict. Now we'll all have struggles and troubles to face, but we need to remember, Jesus is on the throne, Satan is defeated, and we will overcome. We'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus gave his life for us. He purchased us with his blood. All who are trusting in him will overcome just as surely as he overcame. Our names are written in his book of life. When Satan accuses us or seeks to shame us, we don't need to listen. We just put on that breastplate of righteousness that Jesus has given us as a gift, his righteousness. And those darts of the enemy will just bounce off because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Where we've sinned, where we've failed, we can just admit it and repent, knowing that through the blood of Christ we are totally forgiven. There is no condemnation. But we do need to speak it out. We need to take up the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God, and we speak truth, and we overcome Him, right, by the blood of the Lamb and by the Word of our testimony. My life belongs to Jesus. No one can snatch me from His hand. And you can accuse me, you can lie to me, you can tempt me, you can even kill me, but you cannot win, right? Because you cannot destroy me. Because nothing, not even death, can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Hallelujah. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Saviour and my God. Our hope is in him. The hope of the church is in him. The hope of this nation and of this world is in him. The kingdoms and ideologies of this world will be shaken, they will crumble and fall, but his kingdom will stand forever. So let's put his kingdom first as we continue to pray for salvation, preach the gospel, serve the needy, love one another, and bless our enemies. Right? Jesus is on the throne, Satan is defeated, and we will overcome. That revelation is our anchor in the storm. So let's keep confessing it. God bless you this week.